Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. But they brought him to Jesus. Their faith persisted. They didn't get discouraged. They'll change the roof to see this man changed. It was active faith. This is a perfect picture of a change agent. God wants you and I to be his change agent. That's the key. That's the goal. That's what God wants. The transformation that Christ brings to each of our lives comes in many shapes and sizes. From the liberation of substance abuse, a complete 180 degree turn from racism, or even overcoming mental struggles, millions of lives are changed globally. All of these changes begin with faith. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us about the radical transformations that take place when we approach Christ in faith. In our study, we learn how God desires for this change to take place in our lives and to use our testimonies to further spread His Word. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Before and After. when you leave this building this morning, you're learning. You're being reminded. Your mind is being transformed by the power of God. It's incredible. We're here not to sit here. We're here to change. And that's what God was doing with his disciples. So let me just ask you to write this word down again. We've talked about it many times today. God wants to continually change us. What you want to do is you reflect back in your life over this next year, you want to think about some CCs. Is your conduct and character different than it was six months ago? Are you more like Jesus than you were? Are you constantly changing? Do you see yourself becoming more like him? You think like him. You think different. You're not weird, but you think differently. You act differently. Your character's different. And and you're involved in the things that Jesus would be involved in. That's what it's all about. Well, Mark tells us a little bit of a scenario that Matthew just doesn't get to. See on the overhead, Mark 5, 18. As Jesus was getting in the boat... The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. That's an honest statement. That's something you think that he would want to do. How will Jesus answer it? Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus leaves this former possessed man to go and share the good news first with his family 
he goes home and they go, what happened to you? I ran into this man called Jesus. Who's that? So we don't know how much he knew or how it went, but he used to go and share with his family. You know, when you're changed, the most powerful thing you have is your personal testimony. That God has changed you. Some of you, it's been a long time and you forget what you were like. But God changed all of us, didn't he? He says, go and tell your family and stay on this side of the Sea of Galilee. Why? They're all pagans. Stay over there. Priority. Share the gospel. More changed lives. Now, there's a sobering note with the story. The people say of the town to Jesus, we don't want anything, we don't want anything to do with you. Leave. What does Jesus do? He leaves. You don't ever want to get to your place in your life when you say to God, you know, God, don't bug me again with this salvation stuff. Don't bug me against trying to become like you. I'm not really interested. Don't ever go there. See, if God's dealing with your heart today, you're not a Christian, or you've fallen away, you'd be very glad. These people said, leave us. Now, what do you think Jesus is going to do? Gets in his boat, and he leaves. What kind of lifestyle's left? A lifestyle without Jesus is empty, lonely, guilty. They're afraid of death. They can't help themselves. It's nothing for this world. But he leaves. We would hope the story would be like this. But Jesus says, well, really, can I stay, please? Can I stay? I'll be glad to stay. I'll change your lives. He begs for the say. No, he doesn't beg. See, he knows he can't change them unless they want to be changed. What you see in this story is a town full of hard hearts. Get the tape from Wednesday night. I pray that one day we don't see Jesus getting in his boat on the shores of America and leaving. We're getting close. We're getting very close. So he leaves. Chapter 9 is a, another whole story. One day... A farmer and his wife uh, had gone to a county fair and the, the farmer was always fascinated with airplanes and he, he saw an airplane there with a pilot and he said to him, how much, how much for a little ride? The pilot was taking people around the fair and he said, well, it's 10 bucks for three minutes. And the farmer goes, well, that's too much for me. I can't afford that. Pilot thought for a second, it was kind of slow. Things weren't really happening. He said, I'll make you a deal. If you and your wife will come in the plane and I'll take you in the three minute, you know, and he's going to do... <laughs> whatever. He said, if you come and sit in this plane for three minutes and you don't utter a sound, either one of you, not a sound, your ride's free. But if either one of you make a sound, you got to pay the 10 bucks. Farmer talked to his wife, said, well, what do you think? Can we do it? Yeah, let's go for it. So they get in the plane, they go for this incredibly wild ride. After they landed, the pilot said to the farmer, I'm amazed. I want to congratulate you. This is the first time I've ever seen this happen. You're a brave man. You didn't make a sound during our three minutes. I can't believe it. And the farmer replied, he said, yeah, but I got to tell you, I almost screamed when my wife fell out. (laughs) Now that's a wrong priority. Okay, some of you guys don't know that with your marriage, okay? This man is taking 10 bucks over his wife falling out. (laughs) Stupid story, but the principle is about priorities. Well, in chapter 9, we're going to see Jesus change two things. But he has a priority of how it should change. We begin. 
Jesus stepped into the boat. He left. He crossed over and came to his own town. What town would that be? Tell me. Capernaum. Good, good, good. You learn. Now, Mark and Luke told us that when he got there, he went into a home. We don't know what home. And he began to teach the word of God. Jesus was always teaching the word of God. And the word got out that he was there. And so all of a sudden you look at this little home and there's no room anywhere. People are out the windows. They're out the doors. The place is jammed wall to wall people. Well, why? You see, wherever Jesus went, change was happening. Let me give you a little clue. You'll hear me talk about it later. People want to be where real change is happening. That's why they want to be in churches that are growing. Because people are coming to the Lord. People's lives are changing. Your life's changing. My life's changing. I'm being more like Christ. Let's see if we can remember the C's. Christ. Calvary Chapel. Huh? Character. Conduct. Constantly changing to think, this is a stretch, to think, to be, and to minister like Jesus. Terrific. You still can't leave. It's all right. Okay. So he's there and this town is just jammed with people. This house, you can't even get near the house. Look at verse 2. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. Now Mark tells us that this man was a paralytic. He couldn't help himself. He is helpless. He's desperate. He can't change his condition. But he had four friends who cared for him. These four friends are going to bring him to someone who could change him. That's Jesus. Now, they get a stretcher. We don't know from where. They put this man on and they begin carrying him through the streets of Capernaum. Until they turn the corner and they see the house down the middle of the street. And their hearts sink. Because as they look at the house, there's no way they're getting the stretcher anywhere near. They can't get close to the front door. People are all the way out. Every window's taken. People are on the stairs going to the roof. It's over. It's finished. We're done. We don't know what to do. But one of the men who had been helping carry the stretcher, he had learned an incredible song. You know how it is when you hear a song, it just kind of goes through your mind. He had heard a song sung by the drifters, and it was just going through his mind <laughs> constantly on that. Anybody know what the song was? Up on the roof. Up on the roof. And, it, and the other guys went, that's it, that's it. We can get the guy in there by going up on the roof. Well, Mark says that exactly right. It says in Mark 2, 4, they couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? I always wondered what that house looked like in Capernaum with the roof taken down and how, you know, how messy it was and who put it back and everything. Yesterday, you can't believe this. Yesterday, after all these years, I found a picture of what that house, exactly what the roof looked like. And I want you to see what it looked like this morning. <laughs> that brings back bad memories, doesn't it? Well, they climb up in this roof and 
And all of a sudden they're tearing, and actually the roof doesn't look like that, you know it doesn't look, it's, it's beams and it's, it's dirt pounded down and it's, it's leaves and stuff, and, and they just tear the roof apart. Can you imagine if in this building this morning we hear something like, and we look right in the middle up here? Would anybody's eyes be on me anymore? No, you'd be right there. In fact, I wouldn't be here. I'd be down there like, what the heck's going on up here? That's what happened to Jesus. Stopped his teaching, right in the middle of his teaching. And as that happened, down before him comes a, a man who's helpless. Now as he comes, notice what... Chapter 9, verse 2 says, when Jesus saw their faith. He isn't even looking at the man yet. He says, how's this man get here? The man can't get here. How's he get here? He saw the faith of the four men. You see, these friends had done what they could do to see this man change. They couldn't change him. But they brought him to Jesus. Their faith persisted. They didn't get discouraged. They'll change the roof to see this man changed. It was active faith. This is a perfect picture of a change agent. God wants you and I to be his change agent. That's the key. That's the goal. That's what God wants. You see, this this man couldn't have been changed unless the people brought him to Jesus. Now, the man's in front of him. What's Jesus going to do with it? What's going to happen? Well, we know what he's going to do. He's going to heal them. (laughs) It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, verse 2, Take heart, son, your your sins are forgiven. Say, what? You see, in those days, sin and sickness to the Jewish culture were equal. If you were sick, it's because of sin. Well, overall, directly, that's not true. Indirectly, it's true. The only reason there's sickness in the world is because of sin. Sometimes a person is sick because they've sinned. The book of James tells us that. But most of the time, probably 99%, 95% of the time, people aren't sick because they've sinned specifically. It's just the world we live in. This bird flu that's coming. All these people are being affected by the bird flu. isn't because they sinned. It's because we live in a world filled with sin. So whether this man really had sinned and Jesus is forgiving him sin, which is going to bring healing, or Jesus is doing this culturally to show the individuals, the Jews specific, that he understood the culture, he understood this. Jesus says to him, the most important thing in a person's life is not me healing this man. It shocked the friends too. They're bringing him here. Well, we don't, don't save him. Heal him. That's why we brought him here. Jesus said, no, no, no. Time. Remember the woman flying out? Ten bucks versus the wife? Wrong priority. So Jesus says, my, I, I am come to heal, but that's not my number one priority. Here's the number one priority. Understand what he says. Jesus says, when you think about sin, when you think about sin, man's greatest need is not physical healing, it's spiritual healing. Now, yes, we do pray for the sick. God does heal. But the greatest change that needs to take place is a person that was lost who comes to Christ. You see, if if you're in your sins, you can't save yourself. A drowning person cannot save themselves. So you can't change yourself. This person couldn't forgive his own sins. He had no way. And so Jesus says this bold statement. He says, I didn't come just to simply heal people. I did. But I came to forgive sin and then transform sinners. Character, conduct, constantly changing.
at this, verse 3, some of the teachers of the law circle these three words, said to themselves. Do you ever talk to yourself? You know, the danger is when you begin arguing with yourself back and forth and whatever. Put a little white jacket on you and you need healing then. These men are talking to themselves. It's not public. It's not out loud. Some of you have been talking all service to yourself. What have you thought of in the last hour? Have you thought of only C's? No, some of you have thought of F, food. You already got it planned. I'm going to have this one thing. I have these big fries out here. I like to be fried. Some of you have been thinking about C's, but it's not religious. It's coffee. It's caffeine. <laughs> Jesus says he's, he's watching these men, and they're thinking, okay, what are they thinking? The Jews are thinking, this guy is blaspheming. Now, notice what it says. He says, your blaspheme. Mark says, well, man, only God can forgive sins. What's this guy saying? Well, their theology is exactly right. Only God can forgive sins. What was Jesus trying to say? I'm God? That's exactly right. But they go, no, 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 no. Blasphemy? You're saying that? Only God can forgive sins? We're going to stone you. Here's a principle you need to understand. Some changes only God can make. Some changes only God can make. Only God forgive. I can't forgive your sin. No man can forgive your sin. Only God can do it. That's why you must come to Christ. Now, verse 4 says, knowing their what? Tell me. Knowing their... Isn't that amazing? God knows exactly what you and I are thinking. Some of you are a little skeptical. He, he already knows. That's okay. Thinking, eh, I don't know about this church. You can't laugh in church. Something's wrong here. By the way, can Christians have fun? Yes. Up on the roof. <laughs> Deviled ham. There goes my wife. Sure, we can have fun. Jesus had fun. But there was times that Jesus then went right to the... And here, he, he's going to teach a lesson right here. So he knew their thoughts. And he's so wise. Look what he says to them. He says, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, humanly, neither one are possible. But let's just carry his scenario out. I could say to all of you today, your sins are forgiven. And you go, wow, terrific, thank you. How would I prove it? Couldn't prove it. Eventually, if I was God and I did that, you could prove it because your life, C, changes. And you become more like Christ. But initially, when, when, when those of you that will get saved today and go back there, can you prove to other people that you got saved? No, you can't. It's by faith. Eventually you see the change, but you can't initially. So it's, it's actually easier for me to say to you, your sins are forgiven. What if I say to you, you're here, and, and, and you bring five people, and they're all crippled. And I say, uh, rise up and be healed. Now either they're going to rise up, or they're not. You can see that, can't you? I mean, either I'm a charlatan or I'm God. So Jesus says, he says, well, to prove to you that I am God. I've already said to him, his sins are forgiven. You can't see that. But to prove to you I am God, I'm going to do something that man can't do. Notice what he says. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, go home. And the man got up. Went home. 
I love it, don't you? This is amazing. Here's this guy. Gets up, rolls up his mat, takes him at home. The other four guys are in the corner. They got this stretcher. They put it on eBay, get a good deal. They don't need it anymore. It's over. And the guy walks right through them. Totally changed. Spiritual and physical. Now, what was happening there? How's this? I mean, how could that happen? God had the power and authority to forgive sins. He had the power to heal. The evidence was there. This helpless, desperate man got up and went home. Notice verse 8. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority, circled his word, to men. What really happened? This visual healing of the paralytic was designed to confirm man's sins had been forgiven, the invisible miracle. Well, let's talk about before and after. The crowd. Were they changed? The general crowd was changed some because they praised God, but they didn't get the miracle. Notice it says such authority to men. They thought, well, this is another, another agent of God, this Jesus. He's not the son of God. They didn't get it fully. They got a little of it, but they didn't get the real truth. What about the Jewish leaders before and after any change? Think about this. They see an incredible miracle. And we know from the scriptures, the next thing we hear from them, they're out trying to get Jesus killed. Why? It's going to turn their dead religion upside down. See, there's been no change in their dead religion. And because there's no God there and there's no power there, there's no change in people's lives. And it's going downhill. So there's no change. See, religion's dead. God is powerful. Well, what about the paralytic friends? Any change? They brought him on a stretcher. They left with what? An empty stretcher. What do you think it did in their hearts? Did it cost them to get there? Tear the roof? They had to pay it back, put it back. I don't know what they did with it. Call a roofer. Take them 12 years to get, put the roofer on. It cost them. But was it worth it? Yes. See, it's worth it bringing people to Jesus. Get that. It's incredible. I, we have people who accept the Lord all the time. It's not me. You're bringing them. You're bringing them. Their lives are changing. Well, what about the disciples? It's our last group. What about the disciples? Oh, they're changed incredibly. They're reminded again that this is God. Jesus is God. Then they're reminded about the priority of change. Most important thing ever is a person has changed spiritually even more than physically. They saw the change. This morning, some of you need that change. You're not yet a believer. You've never asked Christ to come in. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. But you've never, ever asked Him to come. Many of us have attempted to change certain areas of our lives only to be met with failure after failure. Whether it's destructive habits, addiction, or overcoming anxiety and fear, each of us faces specific struggles that seem to have the upper hand. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught us about God's desire for each of us to come to Him so that we might experience the radical transformation of fellowship with Christ. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Whenever a new revolution or political movement is first birthed, it requires large amounts of people to share and represent that said movement. Without representatives or promotion, the movement will quickly lose its momentum in the world. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us how God uses us to further His message and to spread the good news of liberation from sin. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.